Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Okay, church, now listen, listen. The first sign, okay, remember, Jesus in Matthew 24 said this. He said, listen, nation will rise against nation. And you and I go, okay, that's ethnos versus ethnos. Now, we see that today, right? We see that going nuts. Ethnic group versus ethnic group. But but it's much, much more. It was an idiom. It was an idiom saying there's going to be a huge worldwide conflict. So that was the beginning of birth pains. Okay, that was the beginning of, and it says the very first one we saw, if you recall, this worldwide conflict was what? It was coupled with famines and earthquakes. That's what we needed to look for. Well, remember three weeks ago, it started in 1914 with the beginning of World War I and the ending of World War II. And most people believe that World War I and World War II were the same war, only it, it took about 20 years to finish. Okay, they kind of had this ceasefire, and we said, okay, that, that was the, that was the beginning, okay, and it was the first major event leading up to the tribulation. That's what we saw. And then we looked at the second, if you will, the second event leading to the tribulation, which we called this amazing miracle, the reestablishment of the nation of Israel. On May 15th, 1948, Israel did something unbelievable that is unprecedented ever in the world. What? They became a nation. They were not a nation. They became a nation. Boom. Now, I wish I had the time to tell you how this all happened. And it was literally within seconds of Ben-Gurion signing that in, uh, that signing that, that, that into becoming a nation. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But we saw that that was the second one. Everyone went, Now, here's the thing. I often used to think, Alex, I often used to think, what about the guys like in 1900, you know, when none of this was happening? Were they they still looking for Jesus because they had the Bible? Were they still going, he's going to come back, he's going to come back? Absolutely. Why? Because these are sequential events leading up to the tribulation, not the rapture of the church. Okay, so anytime they're going, uh, that's going to happen, that like, like we are, everything forward is future. You guys got that? Everything we see that we're going to talk about now is going to happen in the future. Before that, all of them were future. They, if you said, hey, what about World War I in 1908? They'd have been like, what are you talking about? Well, Jesus, now if they studied the scripture, they knew that a world war was coming, a worldwide conflict. And I bet you, you know what they did? They went, let's get ready. Let's get ready. And that's what we want to do. You go, Ben, a hundred years has passed, bro. Hundred years has passed and we need, we still need to be ready. Don't you think we even need to be ready closer now? Okay. Let me just say this. I heard one pastor say this. He said, it's irresponsible to tell the church to be ready for Jesus because I don't want them to quit their jobs. I don't want them to not pay their bills thinking Jesus is going to come back. But here's the deal. We plan our lives like Jesus isn't coming back for a hundred years. So we still go to work. We still get the kids to school. We still plan for college, right? We plan for retirement, if, if that's even in the cards. But we live our lives like Jesus, isn't coming, or like Jesus is coming back in the next five seconds, okay, with our hearts ready to go. Boom, 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 okay, wow. Live our lives. What does that mean? That means we need to be sensitive to everything and everyone around us. What is God doing? 
Why is he bringing these people into our path? What is that? What is that girl at my job? The one that bugs me so much. What is that one? Because God says, okay, okay, this is what we need to do. So again, we saw that in 1948. And uh, so we know Jesus is coming back. Okay, we know he's coming back. And then we also looked at the third one. Do you guys remember what the third one was? The third one was Jewish control of Jerusalem. And we talked about in 1967, this was the third birth pang. This was called the Six-Day War. Now, here's what you need to understand. While this Six-Day War was never predicted in the scriptures, guys, it accomplished, I mean, what it accomplished certainly was. You go, what do you mean? The Six-Day War brought about the fulfillment of prophecy regarding Jewish control of the old city, Jerusalem. Now, I would recommend that if you're going, okay, I wasn't here, go back and listen to our podcast because you'll, you'll be up to speed on all of that. Now, we're shifting from past, okay, because we saw World War I and World War II. We saw the reestablishment of Israel, and then we saw that all of a sudden they're in Jewish control, okay? Now, what they're wanting to do right now is they're wanting to build a third temple, now, they have a they have a temple institute in Israel right now where you can go in and see everything ready to set up to sacrifice animals again. There's no third temple, but they are ready to go. Okay? They're waiting for that day. Now, so so we're shifting from the past. The next six events, if you will, guys, the next six events are the future that can happen at any time. As a matter of fact, we see so much movement today from Russia, Iran, Turkey, Germany, all of that in the Middle East. We see that, but here's what we're seeing. I know the media has focused on all kinds of different stuff. COVID-19, uh, elections, uh, different things that are happening. So, so it gets our eyes off what's happening in the world. Okay? Even if you watch world news, it's, it's more focused on, well, this is what's going on with COVID. This is what's happening. And so we're not seeing really what's going on unless you really, really, really look. Okay? Because we don't want to catch sight of what's happening in the world. The enemy knows that if we understand what's happening in Russia, what's happening in Syria, how Iran is involved, our hearts are going to get excited for two things. Number one, to tell people about Jesus. To bring people and say, man, God, you got to come. You got to come. The second thing is to be ready and gives us hope and excitement. It does. I'm telling you, we're like, <gasps> and then all the little things in the world, all the little things, that doesn't matter. We're not going to sweat that stuff. We're like, oh, okay, psh, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to worry about drama, right? I'm not going to, because, because why? Because I know the Lord's coming back. I'm coming back. I'm not going to grow my beard like Adam because the Lord's going to come back. And so we're excited. We're excited. Well, today, guys, we're going to look at the fourth. The fourth one leading up to the tribulation. Okay? Now, I want you to say tribulation. Say it with me. Because it's not the rapture. That could happen at any time. But I want to show you this is what's happening. Okay? And uh, this is known as, a lot of people call it the Ezekiel War. Or Ezekiel 38 and 39 War. Now, for the sake of time, I promise, I've got to cover two chapters. I have already, we have talked about this so many times in this past year. So go back and look for it if you want an in-depth. So I'm just going to kind of hit the highlights and let you know where we're at. This is supposed to happen next, Santos. This is what's going on. Okay? Now, why do you do this? I want to bring your attention to what's going on so that when you look at world news, you can go, hey, what's what's going on here? Now, let me just say this, disclaimer, be careful where you get your news, 
Be careful, okay? Not all the media outlets are honest. They're not giving us all the truth. Be careful. Get the right news. Because they'll tell you, Rosa, they'll say, oh, don't worry, nothing's going on over there. Everything's good. Everything's good. And so we got to be careful. Okay, now, Ezekiel 38 and 39. Remember, jot this down if you're taking note. This is a future attack on Israel. And God is going to deliver his people. Okay? Israel's going to be caught by surprise, so they're not going to have to be able to, they're not going to be able to defend anything. They just know, okay, this is God. Okay? This invading army, this coalition is going to come from the north part, right? God is actually going to pull them into this war. They're going to invade Israel, but by supernatural, um, guys, supernatural intervention, God's going to destroy them. This is what's going to happen. Pastor Self, where are we? I don't know. Are we going to see this? I don't know. Are we going to be ready? I don't know. I wish I could say, I don't know definitive. Just be ready. Just be ready. When you see it, you might go, oh, yeah, Pastor Ben, Ezekiel 38 and 39. Or... We'll be in heaven dancing, right? We'll be just, I don't know what's going on on earth, but we're having a good time. Yes, yes, this is going to be great. This is going to be a great. Guys, do you remember Wednesday night? That was so cool. Wednesday night was like, man, we were seeing the throne room of God and the Sardis and the Jasper. And I was like, man, I can't wait. I can't wait to be in the throne room. I can't wait to be in heaven. This is a future attack. Now, why do you think the northern coalition of armies wants to invade Israel. Let me just put this down, guys. In your Bibles, you can put, Israel has something they want or need. You understand that? Something they want or something they need. You go like what? Well, again, guys, take note. Um, oil, natural gas, you ready? Or food. Or food. You understand what's happening in our world today. You understand. Please don't just sit there and go, yeah, well, you know, we, we had a freeze or we had this or we had that. Everything is being set up. But if you look closely, I wonder, I wonder if there's going to be another major famine. And I'll tell you why. Because the moment the news said that we were going to have a, a very long cold snap, what happens? The shelves at the grocery store became empty. Everybody in Lubbock, Texas said, I've got to have food. And I think we need food for like a month. It's going to be a week, but we eat more when we're inside. Right? We just eat more. Right? During quarantine, all of y'all gained weight. That's all we did. We snapped. But what if it is food? Now, we'll look at that in just a second. Okay? So they invade Israel. How, guys? And they're destroyed by supernatural intervention. Here's what the Bible says. For seven months during this war, guys, count them, seven months, they're going to be burying corpses. Okay? So they're going to be looking around Israel going, oh, another dead body, let's bury them. Another Seven months it's going to take them. Now, listen when I say this. I don't think they're going to have funerals for every person. They're just burying them. So that must be a lot of people. That must be a lot of people. Okay, the Bible says that for seven years, they're going to use the weapons that were formed against them as fuel. 
as fuel. Seven years. Seven years. Now, this is what the Bible says. Now, here, here, let, let me do this, okay? I've got to give you some context. Before we jump into text, let me give you these three schools of thought. Because you'll have somebody go, hey, Pastor Ben, no, 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 no. I believe, and here's the first school. Some people believe that this is the battle of Armageddon, which is actually found in Revelation 19. Now, for the sake of time, we would be here till uh, really late if I gave you every scripture, but you can write that down. Some people go, no, 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 it's fine. Um, and it's going to happen right after the seven years of the Great Tribulation. Okay, some people believe that, that it's, it's going to be, it's going to be the battle of Armageddon. Okay? Second school of thought. They say, okay, well, here's, here's the prophetic war that will happen before the rapture or right after the rapture. And that's kind of where we land. We're not sure what's going to happen. Although, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's what the Lord tells us. Henry, the Lord tells us, hey, man, you know when there's clouds coming. You know it's going to rain. I can give you that season. And so the same way he's saying, guys, when you see this, you kind of go, oh, oh, okay. Something's, something's about to happen. Something's about to We see that. And the problem is, guys, is we don't want to turn a blind eye. We don't want to turn a blind eye to these things because what happens? Then, then, then we're caught off guard. And I'm not saying that y'all need to go out, run out and buy food and, and make sure you have a pantry stocked. If you want to do that, that's great. Just invite me over. But I'm telling you, be ready with your hearts. Okay. The third school of thought comes from Chuck Missler. He's now with the Lord. He wrote an article on this invasion, but he argued that the point that surrounding these countries, the, the, the surrounding countries of Israel had to be wiped out first. You were like, what do you mean? Like Libya, Syria, Lebanon, and so forth. But do you remember, in 1967, these countries were actually surrounding Israel. And Ben-Gurion said, if I sign this, we're going to go to war. And if I don't sign this, we're going to go to war. And they were invaded, and God supernaturally. Now, the Israeli army defeated all the invading, every one of them. That's how we know it's a little bit different, because when Ezekiel happens, the army's not going to be ready. They're not going to be able to um, um, muster the troops fast enough, but God's going to step in and, and annihilate them. Okay? Now, he has a reason. Okay? He has a reason. Okay? So, let's get going. Okay, what's happened? The reestablishment of Israel. Okay, they're there. Ezekiel had prophesied, you're going to see dry bones, people are going to come back. And May 15, 1948, Israel became the only nation in ruins to come back and become a nation. No other nation in history has done this. Now, that's our intro. Okay? So many people from all over the world have moved back to Israel. As a matter of fact, I think it was in 2006, they had a record like 25,000 people came and moved back to Israel. We saw it there, didn't we? We saw lots of people there. And I mean, you ask him, why'd you come? I don't know. I just felt like I just, God told me I just need to come back. Come back to my roots. They're not necessarily saved. They're not necessarily Christians. They just want to go back to their homeland, Israel. Well, it's prophesied, guys. It's in the word. And here's where you could take home. If you take nothing else out of this message, you can take it to the bank that God's word is true. And if he says you're saved because you believe in him and you've confessed him and you're walking with him and you've repented and you're obedient and you love him to death, you can take it to the bank. You can take it to the bank. You can say, okay, Lord, your word says. You don't have to sit home 
Uh, and tell me if this has ever happened to you. Sometimes you doubt your own salvation, and, and your wife will be there for just a minute, and then she'll be gone, and you're like, Honey? Honey? Uh, she was just here, right? And you can't find her? You think she got raptured. I got left behind. <laughs> I got left behind. And then she comes out, you're like, Oh, thank God. You don't have to worry about that, because you'll be going too. Does that only happen to me? It happened to you? Come on. Come on, be honest. It happens. It happens. Okay, so with that, let's jump into Ezekiel 38, 1 through 6. You guys with me? Say amen. amen. Let's read. Now, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, okay, they're talking to Ezekiel, set your face against Gog, the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I'm against you, O God, prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and lead you out with all your army, horses, and horsemen, all splendidly clothed with a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all its troops, the, the house of Tagorma, and from the far north and its troops are with you. So we got to ask, who are they? Well, very quickly... There are a number of places in this passage practically to cry out to be identified. Now, normally we would go to um, what we call the table of nations in Genesis chapter 10 or 1 Chronicles chapter 1. But let me just kind of go very quickly who they are, okay? Now, when you have Gog, most people believe this is the chief prince of Magog, meaning it could be the president of uh, Russia or, or the ruler, Okay, and so they say, this is who he is. This is more of a title. This is the president. He says, I'm against you. And he says, Magog. He's Gog, right? Magog. That, again, most people believe it's Russia, okay, along with other nations in the regions, formerly part of the USSR. You go like what? Like the Ukraine, uh, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, all of these were in there. That's going to be part of it. Okay, you go, what does he say? Okay, so that's the first one. You've got Russia. But you also got this coalition. He says Persia. Persia, guys, is modern-day Iran. That's who it is. Okay? You have a little bit of some eastern uh, Iraq in there. So you've got Iran. Okay, you with me? Iran. And you've got Russia with all this. That, this, is, this, is who, this is the enemy that's starting to form. Then you've got Ethiopia. He'll say Cush, which is Africa. So Africa is going to be involved in that. Then you've got Gomer or the Slovak countries, including Germany, Poland, and the Czech Republic. And he says, oh, by the way, and Togarma, you're in this too, which is the area of Turkey, Armenia, and Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan. Okay? So you have all of these. All of these. These are all countries, guys. If you were to Google these countries... Listen, listen, listen. Russia, Iran, Turkey, and Germany were all enemies. Okay, you don't come in my, you don't, right? They were your high school rivalries. They, that's what it was. You didn't, you just, guess what? Today, they're all BFF. Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? I mean, how do you go from being mortal enemies to saying, hey, let's gang up together for a common cause? How does that happen? You guys can Google it. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. Now, listen, since Gog is 
in the land of Magog, it stands to reason, if you're taking note, that Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal are the cities of Magog. And most people suggest Rosh is Russia, okay? Meshach is Moscow, and Tubal is Tobolesk. So you have of these right there. Now, here's what he says. He says in verse 4, he says something very interesting. I will turn you around and put hooks in your jaws and lead you with all your army, horses, horsemen, splendidly clothed, great company with bucklers and shields. This is what God says, okay? God says, look, I'm going to put hooks in your jaw. But what I love is in the New Louis translation, it says this. I'm going to put hooks in your jaws and pull you down to your doom. This is what he says, okay? What does that mean? Well, it means that initially they probably won't be interested in this war. They're probably like, okay, we know what we're doing. We know what's going on. But God is going to somehow pull them into this war, basically dragging them into it. Now, for some reason, these come from the north, south, east, and west to attack Israel. They're all coalition to come down. Why? Israel is no bigger than New Jersey. I mean, what do they have? Why would they want to? I mean... Well, here's the thing. If you guys remember, if there was ever a war, if there was ever a war, right, between Iran or whatever else, it, it, it was so funny. Uh, if Kuwait was fighting Iran, they'd shoot Israel. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like if me and Adam went to fight, okay, me and Adam are going to fight, and all of a sudden, um, they were throwing um, fists at Sof. He's like, doesn't have anything to do with this, but, but, that's what's going on. It's like they, they keep trying to pull Israel in. Now, again, here's what's going on. What? What is this war? What would it be about? Well, let me give you a possible scenario, okay, that might go down. Just my opinion. And I'm not saying this could happen, but maybe it will. Why? Russia, right now, guys, is the chief export of oil and natural gas in the Middle East. They're the top dog. You understand that? Okay. Israel was dependent on Russia for years to get natural gas, to get oil, to heat, to run their cars and their businesses. You guys understand that, right? Until, right, drum roll, bum, 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 Israel found natural gas in the region of the Mediterranean Sea. Okay? They found this, they said, whoa, and it was, it was amazing, they said, we're not going to be dependent on Russia anymore. It's kind of like what happened to the United States these last four years, where we weren't dependent on foreign oil, and we could fill up our cars for 20 bucks. <laughs> and today, that's not seem to be the case. I digress. Let's get back into the scripture. Israel says, guys, we found it. Now, here's what happened. Turkey... Turkey said, what? So they, out, they go out and they send subs to see if they can find natural gas. But see, they can't. Why? Because God knows where it is. That's amazing. But what if this natural gas, guys, what if this natural gas is what Russia and the Allies want? What if it's like, no, 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 we can't have Israel be the chief export of natural gas and oil because then we lose everything. What would, what would, what would be the, what would be stand to reason? What would they do? Well, let's attack them 
and let's take their plunder. Let's take their oil. Let's claim it. This is, this is what's going on. You go, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But what if there was a worldwide famine? A worldwide famine. And what the world needs... Like, you go, Ben, 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 listen. If gas gets up to $8 a gallon, I'm walking. I'll ride my bike. Okay? Can we agree? Only the rich, 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 rich people are going to drive their car. I, I can't afford eight bucks a gallon. I'm not good. No. You know what? We could, okay, we could probably survive without oil and gas. It'd be hard, but we could, we could have our fireplaces. We could, we could probably survive if we needed to. Would you agree? If we all had a holy huddle and, and we got warm that way or something, I don't know. I'll tell you what we can survive without food. Without food. So what if, I don't know, some unknown person, some rich millionaire decides to buy up all the farmland? It could happen. And uh, start to control the food distribution. What if? What if there's a worldwide famine and all of a sudden... Now, here's the thing you need to know. Israel can produce... It's producing more food right now than they can eat. And because they can't export it, uh, they're, they're, they're just, they're, they have all this food. They've learned how to grow watermelons in the desert. So the world's in a famine, okay? The world's in a famine. You cannot have a garden at your house... In the city limits, because somehow they passed the law. Don't know if that would happen, Joe. But they passed a law where you can't have a garden so you could eat because it would be against the law. That wouldn't happen in the United States, would it, Adam? I don't think so. I mean, come on. Were they united? So anyways, I'm being funny, but you guys understand. Could you imagine? Now, the whole world feels like that, and Israel's the only one who has food. It stands to reason both natural gas, oil, and food would be a reason to attack them. Let me ask you this, okay? You guys are very intelligent people. I mean, seriously. Can things change in an instant? It can, right? Because sometimes we think, oh, well, well, we'll get a heads up. It can change from overnight. Do you realize it was a year ago? A year ago today... Or, or next Sunday was our last service before all of this went down. This week, we were like, okay, something's not right. The, the, the Big 12 tournament's not playing. People are not going, and they, they've pulled the NCAA. What are we going to do? And then next Sunday would have been, was our last time we had two services, basically. And then it, COVID, it, overnight, guys, overnight. So something could happen. So we're aware of that. We're like, okay, that can happen. That can happen. So somehow they're going to be pulled, okay? So he says in verse 7 in our text, he says, prepare yourself and be ready, you and your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. Now, if you're taking note, underline or highlight that phrase, be a guard, and you say, why? Because in the Hebrew, it means a place of confinement like a prison, Okay, so what does it mean? It sounds like Gog's allies, everybody that are with them, okay, will be stuck in the war with Russia, like they're obligated to go to war with Russia. 
It's almost like Russia might say, you owe us. You're going to go with us. Get your army ready. That's what this, this is what the word of God means. Okay? They're obligated. What would make a country obligated to go to war with another country? Finances, oil, all of those things. All of those things. Hey, if you give us this, this, and this, then we owe you. Guess what? What if Russia calls the note? You got to go. You got to go. Let's go. Let's go. Why would you say that? Why would you say that? Why are they obligated? Well, look at verse 12 real quick for a second, okay? It says, Ezekiel 38, 12 says, To take plunder and to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are inhabited, against the people gathered together in the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of the land, okay? So again, they're going to want something, Well, it was December 2010, guys, about 21 years ago, that Israel, check this out, found the largest natural gas field. They actually named it Leviathan. And it's the natural, the Leviathan is the the largest natural gas field. It's located in the Mediterranean Sea, just off the coast of Israel, 47 meters southwest of Tamar, the gas field. So they found it. If that wasn't enough, five years later, they found something that was even bigger. They called it Zor, off the coast of Egypt. Z-O-H-R, the largest gas field discovery ever, right next to Leviathan. Who's taking that claim? Israel's saying, right? So go, go on your phone if you want to. Check this out. I'll do this real quick, okay? And here it is. Here it is. Let's see here. Um, both Israel and Egypt are now becoming friends to get fuel from Israel. So, so right here today, guys, well, okay, a month ago, January 28th, um, it said this, that, that why is gas-rich Egypt importing fuel from Israel? So Israel's now becoming an exporter of fuel because they found it. And they're looking for it. Okay, this is that. Chevron, Chevron is already sending submarines out there. They want to be a part of this. They beat, they beat mobile out for just a little bit. Just, they got there first. It says Chevron purchase could unlock Israel's natural gas bonanza. So Israel and Egypt, guys, they're, they're, they're forming a coalition right in there. Guess what? Somebody doesn't like that. Somebody don't like that. Okay? So it seems like today things are falling in place. Well, we got to keep reading or we'll never get done. Look at verse 8. He says, After many days you will be visited. In the latter years you will come into the land, those brought back from the sword, gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell in safety. Okay? Isn't it? He just said they're going to be back in Israel. He said, You guys... Your northern coalition is going to ascend, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, and all your troops and many peoples with you. 
And thus says the Lord, on that day shall come to pass that the thoughts will arise in your mind and you will make an evil plan. Your attention, please. If you go to Israel today and you see Jerusalem right here, do you want to know what is directly north? Moscow. Directly north. If you go straight on up in the map and he says, listen, here's the deal. Here's the deal. He says, when Israel gets full of people and they're inhabited, the place that once wasn't inhabited, he says, when they come... Watch out. And he says, and you guys, on that day, you're going to come with an evil plan. Oh, wait, Israel found gas. Israel found oil. Oh, they have food. What else do they have? We want that. This is, this is what the scripture says, guys. This is what's going on in the world today. This is why it's so important. Okay? And he says, I, the Lord says in verse 11, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages and I will go into a peaceful people who will dwell in safety, all of them dwelling without walls, having neither bars or gates. Now, again, think about what he just said. He says, I'm going to go up. I'm, we're, you're going to come in with, with unwalled security. And what it literally means is you're going to have a nation sitting in confidence. But it also can be translated, check this out, careless or complacent. It could be that Israel is confident in their weapons, they're confident in their army, or they're just careless. They're just careless, right? Or it could be, listen, that they're focused on other things. Like what? Like COVID-19. Like getting everybody vaccinated. You see, right now, anyone 16 and older, 90% of Israel has been vaccinated. And what they're lacking more than anything is the tourism. They're losing millions. Now, just a heads up. Check it for what it's worth, okay? When Israel shut down, when they shut down, they shut down longer than we did, amen? Amen. But do you realize that their stimulus package was 37000 per person? That's what they got. Because he knew if they shut down, that it would cost them a year's... Well, that's not, that's not what a lot of people make. But you understand. It, it wasn't just a little, hey, good luck. <laughs> Hope you can make it for a year on 600 bucks. We're thankful for that. Amen? Amen. But this is what Israel did. Okay, but now they're now they're focused on, hey, we got to get everybody vaccinated. Like, like I'm not sure if we're going to be able to go to Israel unless you get the vaccine here. I don't know. Everything's changed. Everything's changed. But what if they're what if they're busy? They're focused on the COVID that they're not really paying attention to what's going on. I don't know. I know they're really confident in their in their army, aren't they? They because they're all around there, man. So again, think about it. Think about it. Well, who's in this too? Well, notice what he says, verse 13. He says, Sheba, Deden, and the merchants of Tarshish, and all the young lions will say to you, have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty and carry off the silver, the gold, and take away livestock and the goods to take great plunder? Who are these people? Guys, you ready? Sheba and Deden, you can put that, that's Saudi Arabia. That's Saudi Arabia. Just this past week, Benjamin Netanyahu, the president of, or the prime minister of Israel, 
went to Saudi Arabia to finish up the deal. The deal that, that, that President Trump had started, he's there now today. And I, when I looked at that in my newsfeed, I said, what is that? What, what is Saudi Arabia? <gasps> okay, so they have to be. Okay, so, so, so D-Dan and Sheba, Saudi Arabia, not a key player. Guess what they're going to do? They're at peace with Israel, but here's what they're going to do. All they're going to do is go, um, why are you doing that against them? You see, they're not going to help Israel. They're just going to be kind of concerned. Tarshish is Great Britain with its young lion. Most, some people, I'm just, let me just throw this out there. A school of thought is that's the U.S., the young lion. Uh, you can take it for what it's worth. But these nations are protesting, but they're not helping. Okay, you guys looking at me, right? The four years that President Trump was in office, he was an ally of Israel. He said, we will help you. We will defend you. We will fight with you. And nobody messed with Israel. Guys, keep in mind, the USA is not mentioned in Scripture. Nor are we a powerhouse anymore to help Israel. Is that happening today? Is that going on in the world? I don't, I, I don't, I don't know, Ben. I don't know. Something happens to the U.S. Why are we not in scripture? Let me give you just three quick reasons, okay? That number one, we're in big financial trouble. We're in big financial trouble. Guys, we just signed, they just signed a, a stimulus package or, or a deal that was what, billions? 1.9 billion? Is that what I read? Trillion. Trillion. Yeah, what? You know what? That's pretty close to a Brazilian. I mean, that's a lot. Who's gonna guess? Listen, guys, listen. Listen, my my grandbabies are gonna pay that back. You can't just make money. You you understand? And and again, so I don't know if we're in big financial trouble. I'm just giving you I'm just giving you facts. You guys decide what you do with it. Number two, that the United States is mentioned because we're concerned with health related issues. Could be. Or number three, we're not an ally of Israel anymore. We'll protest. We're not going to help them. Is this blowing your mind? Is this blowing? This is, guys. Guys, this is. You go, Ben, 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 I have a question. Everything you said is true. But so, so what's, what's going on with Syria, though? I've, I've heard stuff with Syria. Well, look on the screen. I think you got it up there. I hope he did. But look at Isaiah 17. We're going to look at verse 1, 9, and 14 real quick. He says this. This is what we, we have with, with Syria. He says, an oracle concerning Damascus. See, Damascus will no longer be a city, but will become a, a heap of ruins. Verse 9. In that day, a strong cities which left behind the Israelites and will be places abandoned in its thickets and undergrowth and all will be desolation. In the evening, sudden terror before the morning are gone, and this portion of those who loot us, a lot of those who plunder us. This is the prophecy against Damascus. Now, here's what you need to make me understand. As of today, Damascus is three-fourths destroyed already. The Lord said it's going to be completely destroyed. Okay? So what you do is you go computer, and you type in Syria, and you type in Damascus, and you find out what's going on there. Here's a little newsflash. Russia has been in Syria for a long time already. What are they doing? 
Why, why are they there? It's just, it's just interesting. Okay, let's go on. Verse 14. Therefore, son of man, prophesy against Gog. Thus says the Lord, on that day when my people dwell in safety, there it is, you will not know it. Will you not know it? This they will. Then you will come from your place out of the far north, you and many peoples, all of them riding on horses, great company, a mighty army. You will come against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. And it will be like in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that my nations may know me when I am hollowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. Thus says the Lord, are you he of whom I have spoken? In former days, my servants, the prophets of Israel, prophesied for years in those days that I would bring against them. And it will come to pass at the same time when God comes out of the land of Israel, says the Lord God, my fury shall show my face for my jealousy and the fire of my wrath I have spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. So that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the field, the creeping things that creep on the earth, all the men who are on the face of the earth, guess what, guys, are going to shake at my presence. The mountains shall be thrown down. The steep places shall fall. Every wall shall be fallen to the ground. I will call for a sword against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord. Every man's sword will be against his brother, and I will bring him to judgment with the pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him his troops and all many peoples who are with him, flooding great rain, great hailstorms, fire and brimstone. And thus I will magnify myself, sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Do you understand what just happened? God says, listen, this is what's going to go down. I'm going to supernaturally take care of this for one reason, so people, the nations, will know I'm God. Here's, here's the question, church. Listen, here's the question before we jump into the next one. Uh, um, think about it. Why? Well, if we're raptured, I sure hope that the people that are left behind will know that God is God. I would hope, okay, okay, so you have two people. You have two people, okay, three, three groups of people. You have us who are raptured. Can I get an amen? amen? Thank you, Joe. We're raptured. We're out of here, okay? And remember I said there's no calories in heaven, so we're going to have a party. Yes. Then you're going to have a group of people who are walking the fence that are not saved, but they know. They've been brought up in church. They know. They've heard this. Okay? They decided not to make a commitment to the Lord. They're going to go, and they're going to get right with God. They're going to go, Lord, this is true. I'm sorry. I've messed up. I messed up. Lord, please forgive me. And then you're going to have a group of people who have no clue what happened. You know, I think aliens come and got them. You know, I've been saying some weird stuff in my house, and some aliens came, and, and, and that's what happened to them, right? And they won't know. But when this happens, the earth's going to shake, and they're going to go, no, 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 see, that's God. That's God. That's what he's saying, so that he would be glorified. So he'd be glorified. Okay? Chapter 39, let's go. And you, son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I'm against you, O Gog, prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around and lead you on, bringing you up from the far north and bring you in the mountains of Israel. Look at verse 3. I will knock out the bow, I will knock the bow out of your left hand and the arrows will fall to your right hand. 
You shall fall upon the mountains of Israel and all your troops and the people with you. And I will give you the bird, I will give I will give you to the birds of prey every sort of beast of the field to be devoured. You shall fall in the open field, for I have spoken, says the Lord God. I will set fire on Magog and those who live in secured coastlands. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. So I will make my name holy. Uh, I will make my holy name known to the midst of the people of Israel. And I will not let them profane my holy name anymore. Then the nation shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Surely it's coming, and it shall be done, says the Lord God. This is the day of which I have spoken. Now, your attention, please. According to verse 2 and verse 4, it says that I will turn you and drive you towards the mountain of Israel, bringing them from the distant north. And he says, and I will destroy, the King James Version says, one-sixth or 85% of them. So 85% of all the northern coalition is going to come down, guys, and God's going to wipe them out. Now, you remember, okay, in Daniel's book of Daniel, there's going to be a peace treaty for seven years. That starts the tribulation, okay? That's when God is going to deal with Israel. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble, okay, Israel's trouble, all right? But he's going to prepare them that he's God. And so when they're going... Oh, my goodness, help, help, help. And God destroys 85% of all the armies? He just told us in 38 that it was a cloud. That it's going to be like the dust. For us in West Texas, it's kind of like the haboob. We're sitting there going, that's a brown cloud coming. That's what it's going to be like with armies. And God's going to go watch this. One sticks are going to die. That's a lot of bodies. It's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. But notice what he says, guys. If you're taking note in verse 3, he says, I'm going to knock the bow out of your left hand. If you have a pencil, circle that word, bow, because because you go, you and I think it's a bow, but if you translate it out, it actually means launchers. An arrow, he says, on the right hand, that's actually missiles. So what the Lord is telling us, he says, you're going to come in with tanks and guns and missile and missile launchers. He goes, I'm going to go... Boom! Knock them out of your hand. Done. Done. That's what he says. That's what he says. Why? I want Israel and the world to know that I'm God. Then those who dwell in the cities, verse 9, of Israel will go out and set fire and burn the weapons, guys. Both shields, bucklers, bows and arrows. He's going to javelin and spears. All of the things. They will make fires with them in seven years. And they will not take wood from the field nor cut it down any of the forest because they will make fires with the weapons and they will plunder those who plundered them and pillage those who pillaged them, says the Lord God. And it will come to pass on that day that I will give God a, bur- God, God a burial place in Israel in the valley of those who pass by the east of the sea. And I will ob- obstruct travelers because there will be um, they will bury Gog and all its multitude. Therefore, it's going to be called the Valley of Ham and Gog, okay? So what's he says? He says, guys, listen. For seven years, seven years, Santos, we're going to be using all of their weapons as fuel. You're not going to need to cut down a tree. You're not going to need your own natural, nothing. They're, we're going to take care of that. He says, for seven months, we're going to be burying them. And I could imagine because 85% of the army, 85% of this whole coalition, okay? Russia, you guys with me? Iran, 
all of, uh, Africa, Germany, Turkey, all these guys are going to come down. God's going to go, Boof. that's a lot of people. He says, so much so, notice what he says. He says, he says it will obstruct travelers. Why, what does that mean? He says, listen, they're not, it's going to be so bad. Um, and most commentaries believe this could be a nuclear, nuclear cleanup. Something's going to happen. I don't know. I don't think God's going to do nuclear because he doesn't need to. But I know something is going to happen on a nuclear proportion that 85% of the army, I wonder what the other 15% is going to do. Ah! Run. Right? That's what I would do. We've seen it throughout Scripture. We've seen it so many times. We saw it in the book of Joshua, right? Where they had selective hailstones kill the enemy, right? You're trying to run from the hail. It's like, boom. You can't run from God. You can't run from God. It says, for seven months, guys, the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land for seven months. Okay, let me just say this, okay? This is a PSA. If you plan to stay behind after the rapture or before the rapture and you want a good job, you can go to Israel and you can apply for this job. I just want to bury. You want to bury these guys, clean the land. That's what you're going to do because for seven months, that's going to be your job. Indeed, all the people in the land will be burying them and they will gain renown that basically that for on... For it on that day, I am glorified, says the Lord God. And they will set apart men regularly employed, there it is, to help with the search party, pass through the land, and bury their bodies remaining on the ground in order to cleanse it. At the end of seven months, they will make a search. Guys, look at verse 15. The search party will pass through the land, and when anyone sees the man's bones, they shall set up a marker. Okay, so this is what makes us believe that it's some sort of nuclear because they're like, they're walking through, they go, oh, we forgot to bury that one. But let's just put a marker and then we'll come back. I don't know if there's some sort of radiation. I don't know, but it's, it, you, they're not just going, oh, we found some bones. We should probably just bury it. They're not saying that. It's like, ooh, don't touch that. Don't touch that. And he says, again, the name of the city will be Hamath, and they shall cleanse the land. Guys, God supernaturally intervenes and destroys this army. Then the Jews are going to be dealing with the aftermath. The army's weapons are going to be burned. So many weapons, they're not going to need to collect firewood from the forest for seven years. That makes me just sort of, okay, if I'm, if, if I'm into eschatology, that sort of makes me believe, like, okay, could that be the seven years of the peace treaty? And, and so we have the peace treaty, and, and while the temple is being rebuilt and all of this stuff, could that be what's happening? Or, or, Tiffany, or, what if the rapture takes place and there really is a, a seven years before the peace treaty? I don't know. I don't know how much time from the hard podzo to the actual signing of the peace. I don't know. But what if we go, ready? Boom. And Alex is up there playing drums for Jesus. It's so cool. And so on the bass, you know, we're having a great time. And we're having a good time, right? And, and we're just like, ah, oh, we made it. This is great. Yay. And then 
The invasion takes place right here. Done over, right? You know when you fight with God, Ronald? You know when you fight with God? It's boom, ding, it's over, right? That's as fast as it goes. All right? And then seven years, they're cleaning up. And then he's like, okay, so let's do this. Let's sign it. And then the tribulation happens. I don't know. Could be. Just giving you information. Just giving you information. Giving you a lot to think about. Look at verse 17. For as you, son of man, says the Lord God, speak to every sort of bird and to every field, right, to beast of every field, assemble yourselves, come gather from all sides of my sacrificial meal, which I am sacrificing to you, a great sacrificial meal on the mountains of Israel, that you may eat the flesh and drink the blood. Our tour guide, when we were in Israel last time, wanted to take us to the bird sanctuary there in Israel. She thought that would be cool to see. Why? Because every year, check this out, five million birds fly across the northern part of Israel in the fall. Five million different types of birds. Pastor Bill's like, no, we don't want to see birds while we're here. We want to go to the holy sites. We want to worship. But she wanted to take us, okay? God just said, listen, gather the birds. They're going to have a great feast. It's incredible. Ben, Pastor, what's your point? God's word is true. God's word is true. Stand on it. Live it. Read it. Know it. Know it. Guys, listen. Let me, get, let, me, let me just give you some practical stuff, okay? Let me give you some practical stuff. I was going to read the rest of it. You guys can read from verse 18 all the way down. You can finish it up, okay? Because the purpose really is to glorify God. But here's what I'm going to say. Here's what I'm going to say. God's word is true. Can I get an amen? amen? Okay, okay. Because we live in a world where we have this cancel culture, listen to me. We're one step away from them taking this away from us. We are. Okay, first of all, it's going to be, not another Bible is going to be published. Well, that's okay, because I got like 18 in my house. First of all, it's going to be off your phone. You won't have, you won't have a Bible app on your phone. Second of all, pastors are going to be going to jail because they're going to consider this hate speech. Okay, it's, it's, it, it could happen. It, they could cancel the Bible. Here's my, here's my exhortation to you and to me. Memorize scripture. Purpose to memorize the scripture. Remind me, Lord, your word I've hid in my heart. So number one, I don't sin against you, but so that we can have Bible studies for memory. Could it, guys, do you think that it could be that this could be against the law one day? Do you think? I think so. Natalie and I, we've had that talk. We've had that talk, you know. I'm not going to stop teaching the Bible. And I know that means I could go to jail. I've got to teach God's word. You don't want my opinion. You don't want a pastor to go, hey, this is what I think. And you definitely don't need, you just, you don't need a rah-rah speech right now. What you need is the truth of the word of God. We got to have that as our foundation. And we got to memorize it in our hearts. Because life is hard enough as it is. Listen to me, Christian, they're coming after us. They're coming after us. We have to be ready. We have to be ready. How do we get ready? Prayer. We need to be in prayer. Okay? We need to be, we need to be memorizing God's word. Part of our discipleship class is memorizing God's word. We've got to memorize it. 
So we can, so we can gather together in small groups and have Bible study. Well, we don't have a Bible. Yeah, but we remember. We remember it. We remember the God's Word. And last but not least, guys, If God's word is true, and Ezekiel prophesied this, and this is going on in the world right now, this is happening, then we're in the last days. What should we do? Rosa, what should we do? Should we we just gather together, move to the mountains, and just wait for Jesus to come? Somebody say, yes, let's do that. I love the mountains. We could go fishing. No. Here's what we do. You ready? Here's what we do. We learn to forgive. We learn to forgive and say, okay, I, okay, that's the first thing. Lord, teach me to forgive. I know that people have hurt me. Let's forgive. Let's put that aside. Number two, let's hug our loved ones a little bit longer. Okay, let's hug our loved ones. Let's, let's not leave the house without saying I love you because we don't know. Let's... Let's be an encourager and not a discourager. Let's tell people, yeah, man, yeah, man. We're in the last days. I get it. You're going to be fine. Let's do this. That's what we need to do, guys. Let's do life together as a church. Let's do life together. Let's lift each other up. That's what we need to do. God's word is true. It's going to go down. It's going to go down. I'm telling you, I've given you sequentially. So as we close, as we close, Henry's going to come up and lead us in one more song. But listen, listen. (sighs) Next week, it even gets more real. Because we're going to look at the one world government. Some of you know it as the, uh, the new world order. It's coming. It's happening. It's happening. Some of you hear it as, as, as globalist. You ever hear that term? Globalist. Okay, so what's next on the agenda is a one-world government coupled by a one-world religion. Out of that, ten nations are going to rise. It's called the Ten-Nation Confederacy. Now, most people, some of them believe, I'm not, here I am giving you next week's sermon. Most people believe that it's the European Union. Now, the European Union has 28 countries in it right now. But what if somehow, while you're watching TV, that drops to 10? Out of those 10, guys, the Antichrist is going to come out of that. Ronald, it could be 100 years from now, bro. Or it could be one day. What's my responsibility? You ready? Live my life for Jesus today. Make sure you're right with God, that your sins are forgiven, and that you're in your part of Here's the thing. We're in a season now where all this is going on around us, but God stands with his arms wide open saying, amen, come on, come on. I'm trying to get everybody into the kingdom. Last week in Amarillo, guys, lots of people stood up to receive Christ. It was such a, it was such a good thing. But we may have somebody watching online. You might be here today, and you're going, no, I want to be right with God. I want to be right. I just, I just want to get right. I want to be what you said, Pastor. I want to be on fire for the Lord. I want to be on fire. And if, and if 20 years from now, Rosa, Jim, we're still here, 
then we'll just look at each other and go, wow. And I'll be telling you then, be ready, because <laughs> it's 20 years later, and Jesus could come back. Amen? Amen? Father, we thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. God, we thank you for his, Lord, you've told us. And Lord, we could have dissected it so much, Lord, but it's just so much. There's just too much there, God, to really, but you, you're going to be glorified. But I, I would do this, God. Your word says that every, every tongue will confess, every knee will bow. I bow my knee now willingly. And really, that's what you want from us, to bow our hearts to you. And so that's what we do. So, Lord, I know there are many people watching, and I know there might be somebody here that may not be in a right relationship with you. And they were invited to church, and they're here. And, and uh, throughout the whole message, God, you were speaking to their heart. And they might have been thinking, Lord, I, I just, I, Pastor Ben was saying some stuff, and I just feel like I'm far away from you, God. I just feel like we're not, we're not close at all. I don't, I don't remember a time, God, that I've ever surrendered my life to you. As a matter of fact, Jesus, I feel like I'm a million miles away from you. To which you respond, you may feel like that, but you're one decision from coming back to me. And right now you're thinking, how, how? Well, you're one decision, and I want to give you that opportunity. Those of you watching online, I want to give you that opportunity. You say, how so? Well, if you're here today, and God, God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, was speaking to your heart to surrender your life to him, all you have to do, I'm I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hand. You say, why do I have to lift up my hand? Because I want God to see your heart. I want to pray for you. I want to say, amen. I want to rejoice with you. This is the best decision of your life. Now, I know you may be watching online and you may go, hey, um, I'm lifting up my hand, but you can't see me. I can't see you, but listen, you can do this the same. So if you're here today and God has spoken to you and you want to be saved, you want to join this, you're ready to join the family of God, would you just lift up your hand now? If there's anyone here, I just want to pray for you. Oh, God bless you, sister. Anyone else? Anyone else saying, Pastor, I want to be right with God. I want to be saved. I want Jesus to come into my life. If you're watching online, just lift up your hand. If you're here, anyone else? Anyone else? I always want to invite you into the kingdom. Open up your heart and say yes to God today. All you have to do is lift your hand. God will see you. God will see you. Don't put it off, man. Don't put it off. You may not have tomorrow. Don't put it off. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the hands that were raised, Lord. I thank you that, that your spirit is moving mightily. I know we don't have much time on this earth, God. Even if we live to be 70, 80, 90, 100, God, that's not much time compared to eternity. And James says it's like a vapor. So, Lord, we open up our hearts. We invite you inside. We repent of our sins. We believe in you. We believe that you died on the cross. We believe that, Lord, you're coming back soon. And I thank you. I thank you for this church, Lord. I know you're going to do incredible things. I'm so excited for what you're going to do, God. So, Lord, do it. We're ready. We're ready. Bless each and every person here, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you 
or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.